pregnancy and postpartum questions. I'm your host, Monique Maitland, qualified midwife and nurse, founder of the Midi Society, and someone who is about to become your personal in-pocket midwife and virtual best friend. The Midi Society is a community-based platform where we interview leading healthcare professionals, new mummers, and everyday people who share with us their experiences and reveal what they wish they knew before becoming a parent. So buckle up for this crazy and exciting ride. I'll be talking all things tits, bits, spew and poo. Alright, let's get started. Today's episode is proudly brought to you by Training With Mates, your local supportive fitness community that strengthens health, performance and lifestyle goals through expert coaching, fun and mateship. Exercising whilst pregnant can be a little bit daunting, with most of us not knowing what we actually can and can't do. But with Training With Mates active mum classes, personalised programs and extensive knowledge about safe exercise in pregnancy, they can help you best navigate staying fit and healthy during pregnancy and in the postpartum period. In today's episode, we talk to new mum Alani about her journey into parenthood and facing the unexpected possibility of having a baby with a disability. Her beautiful baby girl Eden was born into this world without any hearing and since then has had to overcome many challenges, such as multiple specialist appointments and testing, hearing aids, and most recently having undergone surgery to have cochlear implants. Lani and her husband Liam are incredible parents who in a time where many people would have fallen apart have continued to show their strength, resilience and love for their daughter Eden by raising awareness for infant hearing loss. Please welcome the amazing mama Lani Donnelly. So today we have the beautiful Lani with us. I have had the pleasure of knowing Lani for I don't even know how many years now but she was pretty much a second mum to me growing up on the touch field. Lance, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, well, hi everyone. Hi, Mon. So good to be here. Um, I, I think it's it's got to be over 10 years that we've known each other, which is a bit scary. Time, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Um, so we met when my husband and I lived in Melbourne, when we, sorry, Liam and I were not married. Um, and we now live on the Sunshine Coast. We've got our little girl, Eden, who is almost one. Um, and, yeah, we, we're we living up here. We love it up here. Uh, we both work from home, which is really fun. And little Eden, I'm not sure if um, we've already mentioned, little Eden is – she was born prof- severely to profoundly deaf. Um, so she she's definitely kept us on our toes since the day dot, uh, which, is, which has been – um, quite an experience, but a good one. Like she's doing so well. We're very, very, very blessed. But yeah, that's that's our, us in a nutshell. Yeah, you guys are absolutely incredible. And little Eden is the cutest little bean. Um, but yeah, take us right back to the beginning of when you found out you were having her. Yeah, well, back back then, we I didn't know it was a little girl. That's for sure, and not until she came out. But um. I am very, uh, I guess, like, um, 
target orientated no what's what's the right word I'm looking for um result based <laughs> don't know so I yeah result based yeah. not target orientated that's hilarious um and when we decided that we wanted to start trying um I definitely did way more pregnancy tests than I've ever let Liam know about <laughs> um and it, it, it took us a few months um and yeah it was really, really exciting. We, we were very, very blessed that it didn't take longer than that. I had to take a few pregnancy tests to be really clear that I was definitely pregnant before I told Liam. Um, so it was a very, very faint line. I didn't even know that was a thing, that it could be so faint that it still meant yay. Yep, any line's a good line. That's right, yeah. So I waited a couple of days and then told him and, yeah, that's that's led us to where we are now. And then you had baby Eden. I think everyone, especially people who are trying, they have so many hidden spots with all their pregnancy tests, not telling their husbands or partners or where they are. <laughs> Look at your oh, face. Yeah. You're like, that was me. In the end, I had to stop <laughs> telling him that I was trying them because he was, he's like, I just don't want to know unless you're actually pregnant. Like, stop. So, um, I had a relatively good pregnancy. I was really, really sick between six weeks and 15 weeks to the point of really struggling to work. Um, Just felt, uh, I guess I felt really negative feeling so sick. So I wasn't myself for that, that period of time. Um, And it's so funny as women that we forget that because I talk about maybe one day trying again for a, and another baby and Liam definitely remembers the struggles of the pregnancy more than I do so takes two to tango though that's right that's right I he probably struggles struggles mostly with it because he had to um pick up the slack where I where I just couldn't (laughs) yeah for a fair reason though yeah that's right um and from 15 weeks to 40 weeks uh, it was a breeze to be honest. Um, I didn't have any pain. I I was really, really lucky. And everything was really straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was until the night before Eden arrived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell us about going into labour. What happened? <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I was in bed and I felt Eden move and it like twist and it was felt really uncomfortable. Didn't really think much of it. Um, at the time I was like, whoa, that was, that was big. She hasn't moved like that before. Um, and just, just for everyone listening, I didn't know that it was a she and she didn't have the name Eden at the time. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) I, the next day I went about my normal activities and I had a hair appointment booked in that afternoon, which was 30 minutes from my house. Um, and definitely was having contractions that day. They were very spread and they were all back pain. Yeah, the worst but kind of pain. Yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing because I probably wouldn't have <laughs> sat in the car for over an hour to get to the hairdressers and then sat in a hairdresser's chair for three plus hours knowing that that back pain had meant Eden had turned posterior. Mm. Mm. The old posterior baby. So for those listening at home, Posterior means that baby's position in mum's tummy is her back's against your back. So the golden way that a baby should be facing is the opposite. So baby's spine should be at the front of your belly rather than back on back. 
and it does cause a lot of back pain that can't really be alleviated by much. So mm. continue on, mm. Lani. <laughs> um, Lani's like, I know yeah. this way too well. Um, <laughs> so I guess I – it was really interesting. I had um, that morning lost a bit of my mucus plug and was chatting to a girlfriend on the way home from the hairdressers telling her about it. And she just politely said, um, have you spoken to your midwife yet? I thought, oh, no, I don't want to bother her. Like, you know, nothing's really going. Like, we, they're really spaced apart. Like, who knows? This could go on for days. I'll just, I'll be fine. An hour later, I, I rang my midwife and just just let her know, just, just so you know, this is what's happening. And she was much the same. She sort of said, oh, yep, you know, you could be going through this for a few days. Like, let me know if anything changes. When you say my midwife, were you doing like a – caseload sort of setup were you seeing the same midwives I'm not sure in Sunshine Coast how it works or were you just through the public system yeah so I was through the public system however I was lucky enough to get um a place in the MGP program up here uh, which is the midwife group practice program through the hospital um and so I had the same midwife and she was a group a part of a group of four so if she was unavailable, I would yeah. um, be dealing with one of the other girls. Get the other that are, yeah. So you knew these people pretty well after yes. yeah, nine that's months. Right. Yeah. 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 I, Amazing. Okay. So you call you call her and she's incredible. Well, and she what says, does she say to you? Um, just relax. Let me know if anything changes. You know, just go home and do go about your day how you normally would. Um, so, yeah, I can't actually remember if she – gave me any other advice but I certainly went about my day as I normally would (laughs) I mean I don't know what it is with some women but like I the amount of times where I have come across someone who's booked in for a hairdresser's appointment just to sit there to like waste time which is incredible but I'm like I could not think of anything worse than sitting still whilst experiencing these little Mm. little or big Mm. contractions yeah it wasn't wasn't the most comfortable few hours that's that's what you did um, went home, funnily enough, I think it was a Thursday and we follow AFL, we follow Essendon and they were playing. So Liam's brother was here watching the footy. Um, we had dinner and I sort of explained to him, I think I'm potentially in labor, but I don't want to say that because I could be wrong. I've never experienced this. You're still yeah, in that definitely. denial stage. No, no, it's not happening. Yeah. It's not happening. On the football, bouncing around, going, maybe this will move the baby. Definitely was not moving the baby. And did you know what like a posterior baby was or did you think this yeah. was normal? Good question because I I probably didn't explain what had happened to my midwife. So she, she wasn't given the opportunity to um, give me exercises to do or – you know, anything that could possibly help move Eden. Um, so, no, I didn't yeah. – at the time I I didn't know that she was posterior. I just thought, okay, this is really uncomfortable. I'm going to bounce around and hopefully move her around. It will make it better because that's what, you know, you get told football movement is mm-hmm. going to help with the contractions, mm. which is yep. true. Yeah. Went to bed, got some sleep. I think I got about 45 minutes of sleep. 
because the contractions, yeah, <laughs> the contractions were um, every forty-five minutes at that time, and yeah, I, it must have been around eleven o'clock. I woke up and there was no more sleep happening. So um, Liam and I both got up. We rang the midwife. Um, it was a different midwife, and she she sort of said, you know, stay home. Like, here's some exercises to try to move baby because it does sound like baby's posterior. Yeah. Probably the worst hour of my life trying to turn Eden. Um, <laughs> and what 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 uh, what were you doing? I was because um, it's very it's very hard for you to be able to know exactly what exercise you need to do and also even as a midwife sometimes these we can try all these things but sometimes that's right. baby yeah. doesn't move. And she said that I was very well aware that it that might may not work but if, if I was willing to give it a go. So I did. Um, the exercises yeah. involved um, me having my back flat against the wall and during a contraction, yeah. tucking my chin in and lifting the, my belly as high as I possibly could. And doing that during a contraction was really not ideal. Gave it a go. But you That's gave right. it a go. Um. I even Love it. put their football in the shower, had the, the water on my back. That wasn't obviously wasn't an exercise that she gave, but we we just tried everything to to get me a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Nothing seemed to be working and it got to I I think it was it was probably just after midnight and I sent said to Liam, I think you should go to sleep. I'm in a really bad headspace. I'm really uncomfortable, really frustrated you get some sleep and I'm just going to go try and get in my own head. and Which is which is a, a really smart thing to do because how frequently were these contractions coming? Yeah, so they're mm-hmm. still a little bit apart, um, which is good to let your partner at that time have a rest. I know that you would probably want him there, but you've got a little right. while yeah. ahead. <laughs> yeah. you got a little while It definitely while got – <laughs> their time frame got smaller and smaller, um, but at the time it still felt – yeah, like there was a big gap between them. And I didn't feel like I was at a point where I should be going to hospital. We were both so yeah. concerned about turning up to the hospital and being sent home. And at being at home in this early stage of labour is the mm. best place that you can be. Yes, yes. So o- over the course of about two, three hours between sending Liam to bed to 3am, um, I woke him up and said, we've got to go. It's time to go. We want to go. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be at home. Um, so get me to the hospital, got to the hospital and long story short, I was fully dilated. Okay. Well, I did not expect that. <laughs> yeah. That's a twist so the story, what it? felt like 45 minutes went, went really short, really quickly. So the trip to the hospital was like, I just instantly knew, I think we need to get there. So we got there after four. And the contractions, obviously. Yeah, they were still the same. Same. Oh, the pain had definitely gotten more. Um, But just between that kind of wake-up period of 11 p.m. to 3 a.m., I don't necessarily think the pain got worse. It just got became more frequent. So at the time I was like, oh, it doesn't feel like I'm moving along. I'm progressing. but then, yeah, by 3 a.m., spending three hours by myself going, oh, okay, I, I don't think I want to do this anymore by myself. Yeah, and mothers always know. They just – that's the transition 
stage of you going, mm. I can't do this anymore. That's yeah. what we talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you get to the hospital, mm. you're fully dilated, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, or silly. I'm not really sure. The hospital is a 40 minute drive from us. No, so no. Uh, we're lucky we got there. Um, yeah. So we got there just after 4am and um, Eden was born three hours later. So it was a, quite a, yeah. that period of time at the hospital was quite quick and lots happened in yeah. that period of time. <laughs> so what happened um, I had the sterile water injections into my back. And can you explain? Yeah, I, I will briefly explain what they are. So the sterile water injections is a form of pain relief that we can use and we most like – we usually use them in women with posterior babies because it has been proven to give some sort of relief. So we inject four little bits of water into your back so two midwives do it. You inject two little bits of water each. And basically what it's doing is tricking your pain receptors to focus on that rather than the actual mm. back pain. So it stings like no tomorrow, but it works really well. So we're going to find out what happened when Lani got <laughs> her water injection. It worked really well. Yeah, Amazing. I was so, so happy. Um, yeah, it definitely stings. But it's, it's like a wasp or a bee sting, like it's not. It stings and then, yeah. yeah, it's not a lasting sting. It's the initial. I mean, when I was learning how to give these, we actually did it on each other. <laughs> don't ask me why. But I was like, yes, I'll do it. Like, inject me. And my best friend was the one who was doing it. And we did it into our arms. And she literally, <laughs> I was like, stop, stop, stop. And I think I'm pretty good with pain. And she was like, Monique, I've injected literally <laughs> nothing. And I was like, really? She's like, I've still got so much to go. And I was like, that's it. Yeah. Don't, don't do any more. I was like, I've already got the picture. But yeah. Mm. So it stings quite yeah. a bit. Yes. But it worked. And did that provide you some relief yeah, finally it really did um so I got into the bath after that um n- not that I I wasn't I didn't necessarily want a water birth or anything like that I to be honest I didn't mind how en- Eden entered the world I just wanted her to be okay so um we had yeah. uh, a bit of a plan that we wanted less intervention but if, if intervention yep. was needed, that's the route we would go down. We weren't um, black or white in any, by any means. So um, I got into the bath yeah. and oh, I can't even remember how long I was in the bath, but whatever, my midwife finally arrived because she was on call um, and she said, oh, I think we yep. need to get you out of the bath. So got me out of the bath, tried to turn Eden. So she um, had had a lot of experience with, different yes mm-hmm. spinning that's babies exactly, yeah yep. that's exactly right um and with a lot of different <laughs> exercises and um positions that I could try so we just tried four or five different things I was upside down on, upside down on the bed the <laughs> I was about to say bum up bum up in the air arms oh, down dear. all things you just dream of doing whilst you're fully dilated yeah having these contractions but that's right. <laughs> You've got to do it. Um, so nothing worked, sadly. 
um, got in the shower um, just for mainly for relief. And that was, I think I was too far along to have the sterile water injections again. Um, so yeah. the, the shower was just providing relief, like with the, the water on my back. Yeah. Hot water. Um, yeah. and unfortunately I started pushing, um, when I was in the shower because that's my body wanted to and Eden was ready. Um, but she, I tore a lot in the shower. Um, so <laughs> Liam retelling the story is him looking at the midwife and seeing her face go white and just saying, get out of the shower. We need to get you onto the bed. Come this way. Um, she was much very calm yeah. to me, but he saw the re- the reaction that um, she had. So I was losing quite a lot of blood. So this is Eden's heads out at this point? No. So Eden, no. Eden was um, coming down, but then coming back up. So she wasn't like, she just kept pushing. And so every time I pushed, um, she, I would tear a little bit more, but then I wasn't progressing. Yeah. So the. And in like when you are pushing your baby, it sort of has to get around that curve Mm. of the spine. It does keep retracting in and out until it gets around that curve. And then once bubs pushes past there, they will just keep coming, but that in and out, bub's head moving in and then retracting back is normal sometimes too (laughs) but yes concern for the the tearing so you go to the bed go to the bed um oh this is bringing back lots of memories um and also lots of clouded memories I yeah remember being on the bed and having my student midwife and um, two other midwives there and then the next minute there was probably like seven people in the room. Um, um, and so so it was it was game on. Um, and Eden was coming. It was just a matter of, of how. There was um, – yeah. the doctor wanted to intervene and um, my midwife – Were they concerned that her shoulders were stuck? Yeah, and – yeah. And they were concerned for the amount of blood loss. Already without her being out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they wanted to intervene, whereas my midwife was amazing in the sense that she just backed me and she's like, no, you can do this. We can can get her out. And that's why we love midwives. That's right. Because they always advocate for their women. They do. And they just, she just knew. Um, And so, yeah, Eden entered the world. Um, a few pushes later, um, Amazing. I was offered a, um, a episiotomy. Oh, yes. Thank you. And yeah. I said, look, if, if we have to, then let's do it. But literally two pushes later, she came out. So I didn't have to go down that route, which was really good. Um, oh, I yeah. tried the gas, um, throughout the whole time. Um, and I think it was more so just something to do because it didn't, didn't necessarily do much for me, but. Uh, yeah, it was something good to breathe through and focus on. Yeah, aside from the yeah. pain. Um, yeah, Eden entered the world, and we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. She was very quiet initially, and the doctors and midwives were focused on blood loss. So yeah, Liam and I were like, is it a boy or a girl? Is it a boy or a girl? <laughs> and, and my midwife's like, you can you can check, pick her up. You you can check. 
And so finally yeah. I picked her up and it was a girl and, and I said Aww. to Liam, oh, I really wanted a little girl. I thought you were going to say I really wanted a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hadn't told him that I wanted a girl. I think, yeah, I, f- I guess I felt guilty because if it was a boy, like I didn't want to have said yeah. oh, I had a girl. Like, yeah, sorry, I wanted That's a girl. Yeah, because I would have been happy either way, but deep down, of I just wanted my a little girl for some reason. Yeah, mm. and I feel like everyone has some sort of way they want to lean, but at that time they do not mind. Yeah, that's you right. Know, yeah. They just want a healthy, happy baby. Mm, that's right. And so Eden's on your chest, <laughs> and what's going on um, down below? Well, so interestingly enough, someone postpartum hemorrhage next door to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the doctor was in and he's assessed, he's just said to me, look, I'm actually going to pack you and I'm, I've got to go next door. So everyone rushed out, out next door and I just had one midwife and a student midwife with me. Um, and, was- and when Lani says pack you, he means <laughs> they just put some pads in the area that obviously he wasn't concerned that much that if he put pressure against it, it should hopefully stop some of the bleeding yes yeah sorry <laughs> not not pack her with anything else <laughs> sorry about that. um yeah so then they all came back and assessed whether it was something that could um I could have a stitch up on the table um or needed to go to theater and um I needed to go to theater so probably spent a good couple of hours in the room with Eden and Liam yeah. And then went off for surgery. And yeah, that's, I feel like that's a really tough, tough moment. Um, I mean, you're very lucky to have had a few hours with Eden, but mm. sometimes in those case, what, do you know what degree tear you had? Yeah, I really should have looked this up. It was a grade three A. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to say probably there. So with me explaining that, mm. um, so some of the Lani tore through her perineum, but also into some of those anal anal sphincter muscles. Mm. Um, and so that needs to be repaired in theatre because it's more sterile, in decreased risk of infection to you, Lance, and also they want to make sure that everything is healed and done properly. But it means mum having to go to theatre and being separated from her baby, which is really, really tough. Mm. Can you explain some of those feelings? Yeah, I think I was also concerned about Liam just because he was so exhausted as well. Uh, Totally. It is so hard for the the dad. It's like, here you go. Here's the baby. (laughs) Um, You'll see your wife soon. And they just sit there in the room with the baby like, what? do I do? That's right. Yeah. Um, what if she needs something? What, what's she going to need? Um, yeah, yeah, it was, I I think it's, it's interesting because I think I said to you when we initially started doing this podcast, there's so, for, for me, I did so much research and so there's so much emphasis on the birth, but not what comes after. No, and, and so that is like one of the reasons why I'm doing this is because in life we prepare for everything and most people prepare for the pregnancy and the birth, but that's it. Mm-hmm. They don't 
And that's just this that's the smallest part of the whole process. And then they have their baby and they just know nothing. That's it. That's exactly why I'm going <laughs> JD on the details because I go, so much has happened since. Goodness. Um, yeah. But yeah, like selfishly, I get to, I got to go and have a rest. Like I didn't want to be away from Eden and Liam, but I, <laughs> I I woke up from surgery and I was like, oh wow, I've just had a little bit of sleep. This is this is great. This is what you needed. Just what yeah, I needed. and you did get those. You did get those hours, a few hours before, which is really great. Mm, that's right. Yeah, I was very lucky in that regard. I know some. Yeah, sometimes know. that's not always the case, and obviously you weren't bleeding too much mm-hmm. that that wasn't a risk. So that's really good that you got to spend those few hours with her. Yeah. Very special. And then um, so Liam, Liam's there with little baby Eden. Mm. She's probably trying to suck on his mm. nipples. Mm. <laughs> that's usually what happens. And the dad looks at us and they're like, uh, what do I do? And I'm like, you're fine. Don't worry. Yeah. And then you, you come back upstairs and talk us through your postnatal experience. How long did you stay at the hospital for? Yeah, we we stayed at the hospital one night, um, which I'm so glad we did. Lots of um, people I know have gone home that day and kudos to them. That's awesome. But it really just gave us the opportunity to ask questions and definitely have a little bit of support knowing we were going home to just us because of COVID. Um, We didn't have any family up. So we, sorry, I should rephrase that. Liam's brother and his partner were here, which was incredible, but we didn't yeah. have any like mum or dad figures up um, just yeah. to kind of anyone that Because they couldn't travel from Melbourne. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Just to have that, um, I guess, experience at home would have been <laughs> really yeah. nice. Um, yeah. But yeah. And at the hospital with that degree of tear, was there certain things that you had to do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rest was the biggest thing. So um, I couldn't, I wasn't really allowed to walk further than, you know, walking to the car or walking to, I could walk around the shop if I needed to, but um, it was all about rest for the first six weeks, um, which is really hard. Um, And there wasn't uh, really anything else I had to do that I can remember. Um, Did they make you eat a special diet? Oh, yeah, that definitely that one. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I suppressed that, clearly. That's okay. Um, um, so needed. I needed soft stools. Um, yes. Yes, so definitely high fibre, lots of water, and they give you some things to help for the first few days. And the reason for that is because we – when the tear sort of reaches that anal sphincter muscles, we don't want, without too much knowledge to it, but we don't want, regardless of the tear, we don't want people straining too much to do a poo. So we call this with third and fourth degree tears a low residual diet. Mm-hmm. And that means eating those high fiber foods yes. so that, like Lani said, your beautiful stools are softer. <laughs> yes. And then all the fun of having a baby, hey? Right. But you felt okay. You were happy with everything. Oh, uh, I, I wouldn't say I felt okay. like. Yeah, I guess I felt okay. I was pretty traumatized. Um, yeah, Liam was whew, horrendously traumatized. The the husband's um, 
I can understand why they remember things and we forget them. Yes. Um, but yeah, I felt I felt pretty good. Um, coming home, we had the support of the midwives, um, which yeah. was really good for the first ten days. Um, Amazing. And, yeah, and our midwife was incredible in the sense of knowing that we didn't have family up from Victoria, um, and that we had sort of friends around, but um, COVID was quite restrictive at that time. Yeah. So we were really nervous about getting sick or Eden getting sick. So we just, we just kept to ourselves as well for the first. In your little bubble. Yeah, that's which right. Which is so nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, which was actually also a blessing in disguise because it's an easy out to say like no to people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, coming home was a big adjustment. And I think one thing when what you said to me when I first asked you about everything, you were like, you know, we just left a hospital with the baby. I know. And we're like, what do we do? Yeah. Like they just send you on your way and then you walk out the doors and you're like, um, how, <laughs> what, what do we do next? <laughs> is anybody going to check that this is my baby? That I can be leaving I mean, this thing? I mean, we're supposed to. We're definitely supposed to check the labels to make sure we are. Um, but no, it is so true. Everyone, you, you sort of get your hand held the whole way at the mm. hospital and then we send you off very quickly to go home with a baby and you're like, well, what's next? Yeah. Is anybody going to check that I have a car seat? Is- yeah, no. So in hospital, all babies get a hearing screen that's usually one of not necessarily if you leave the hospital really quickly and that you miss your hearing screen you'll get a follow-up appointment with the hearing screen but at a hospital it's a routine test that babies get and basically they just check baby's hearing and Lani's going to talk a little bit more about Eden's journey into life from that point. Yeah so we had the hearing screen at the hospital and yep. Eden was quite wriggly at the time, so she she didn't pass. So I think Mon, is it you? It's either a pass or a, a pass or a fail. Yeah. And sometimes, like they need to do it when baby's really calm, and they try to do it when baby's asleep. Yeah. So if baby's awake, then usually they will fail. Mm. Same with lots of babies can fail because of they've still got a lot of fluid mm. in their ears all of that, which probably people said to you. Yeah, that's right. So she she didn't pass and so she was referred to return. So we thought, no worries. So we went home um, and she was wriggly. So she she's still wriggly. She's always been wriggly. And you don't think anything of it? No, did not think anything of it. So went home, had the, um, must have been two weeks after her birth that we went back yep. Yep, for another yep. hearing screen. Again, didn't pass, so we got referred. Because the first one, um, she was so wriggly, they wanted to do it a third time. Um, So we went back a week later and did it again and she failed. So we got referred to the audiologist. Um, And And what are you thinking at this point? Oh, fluid in the ears. Her grandmother, Liam's mum, has really narrow ear canals so she she said that to us and I thought oh she's she's got tiny little ears she's probably got your ears um Liam's sister also has narrow ear canals so 
thought, yep, yeah, she's just probably got fluid in there. Who knows? It'll yeah. it'll resolve itself. Went to the audiologist. So she was five weeks old by the time we got to the audiologist. And yeah, that was it was a two hour appointment, if not more, um, testing while she was sleeping. So she was just allowed to breastfeed and um, they checked like the pressure, they checked her brain response to, to sound. Um, and the audiologist said, I'm not getting anything. So the pressure was mm-hmm. fine. So that meant there was no fluid in the ears. Um, I'm not getting any brain response. And so I just, just howled. I, yeah. it was not what I was expecting to be honest. No. Um, and it's just, I think we, we enter this journey with the knowledge of, you know, anything can happen. Um, but I guess you just, you don't think it's going to happen to you. Not at all. Um, and or you push it to the side or you hear it's talking. I mean, you definitely hear it happening to other people. And then when it happens to you, it's so different. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I by mm. no means, you know, I'm sitting here going, we've had a really difficult journey um, because I know so many mums and families have horrendous, if not, even if it's not horrendous, that everyone has their own journey and, um, you know, we were Definitely. so blessed that she was so happy and healthy in every other way. Yeah. Um, but in a sleep-deprived new mum, new dad, all dealing with, you know, this is a whole new chapter of your life and you and a new journey for you and Liam and getting, you know, news like that, if it was that blunt, is very hard. Mm. Like I, I just, I can't imagine it and no one's going to be able to say exactly that they know how that feels mm. but I can empathise with you and say that it would have been really, really hard to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, it it was it just was like she yeah it's just it's just not what you want to hear you don't want your baby to have obstacles and at that time we didn't know what that what her pathway looked like we just kind of there was so much unknown um, and so it was really scary and yeah and the Queensland border wasn't open to Victoria and so we went home with that information just us which is probably in hindsight a good thing um, because then we were just able to process it. We did some research and um, we had to go back to the audiologist, I think it was a week or two weeks later. So I think we did in total three audiologist appointments to the hospital after the hearing screen appointments. Yeah. So the second audiologist appointment was really um, positive in the sense that uh, they were able to increase the volume levels that they were um, testing Eden with and they got a brain response to sound, which meant for Eden that meant that hopefully her hearing nerve was intact. It's yeah. just um, obviously it's we've learned so much about it so we understand that now, but it, that meant that um, there were other possibilities like cochlear implants or hearing aids that would hopefully give her access to sound. Yeah, and I don't think we've said how how old is Eden now. Oh, Eden is 10 months old. Tomorrow <laughs> yeah. she is. 
Oh, yeah. Cute. So she's, a, um, she's a little yeah. spring chicken still. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that would have been some positive news that you, oh, yeah. you would have just felt some sort of relief and the build up to that next appointment would have been really scary as well. Every time you went to these appointments, what you were going to find out, what you were going to discover. Mm. And I think you're right. I mean, we hear things happening to other people and you can only prepare yourself so much for this. Mm. Yeah. And then you get that news and what what was the next joint journey? Um, once we'd finished with the Sunshine Coast Hospital, we were referred to Brisbane Children's Hospital. Um, and to Hearing Australia. So we went to Hearing Australia with with all the information that the, the Sunshine Coast Hospital had gathered th- through her audiologist, audiologist appointments, um, and she was fitted with hearing aids at eight weeks of age, and that was pretty incredible. She went yeah. from, you know, not not reacting to the door slamming or like we've, we live in an apartment, so if they test the fire alarms um like she didn't react to anything the dog barking yeah and then went to hearing aids um and immediately when the audiologist put one in she stilled and smiled just hearing Liam's voice and my voice it was so beautiful oh Oh, it was really heartwarming and just just incredible just um, for her to have access to sound and even though you know we knew that it was the hearing aids weren't going to be enough for her so it's quite it's quite distorted sound so it's like um, she was diagnosed as severe to profoundly deaf so the hearing aids would amplify what she could hear which wasn't quite enough so it's like if we were underwater and talking to each other that's what she would could hear with the hearing aids yeah. So just not enough to help her develop her um, spoken and listening language, essentially. Um, yeah. So from there, we knew that they weren't going to be enough, but they were going to help get her pathways firing. Um, and then we went to the Brisbane Children's and went down the path of seeing the ENT and a paediatrician. Um, and we were referred to all these different uh, support programs outside of the hospital if we wanted it was just such an influx of information. It was really overwhelming. Of course. We just didn't know. We still at that point didn't know what pathway, like even if she was eligible for cochlear implants, there was no um, guarantee that that would work or when when she might be eligible. Um, I mean, you're dealing with all a, pretty much a new language, like all the things that people are speaking to you about. It's medical terminology that you have never been exposed to. I mean, we hear of... We know like what deafness is, but we don't, the average Joe doesn't actually know about all those nerves and parts of the brain, like the speech and language. We don't, like I can't say that I understand it all. Mm. I have no idea. Mm. Um, but having an eight-week-old with hearing aids and being able to keep those hearing aids in <laughs> would have been a little bit tricky yeah she's doing pretty good the the old teething time frames where she's grabbing at her ear or she's because she's such a wriggler and she's constantly go 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 moving to the next thing if um if they would fall from behind her ear she would feel them flapping 
And so she would go, what is this? And pull it out. So there was, there was lots of um, hearing aids in the mouth, uh, which yeah. isn't a good thing. So there's so many different um, small businesses and companies that make uh, headbands specifically for hearing aids and cochlear implants, which is pretty cool. So, that, that is so incredible, so isn't cute. it? Yeah, you can make them really cute. So she wore, they are she's so worn cute. headbands since she was yeah, eight weeks of age. Oh, mm. she's adorable. Can't wait till people see photos of her. <laughs> and then so you go to this next appointment mm-hmm. and what happens? Um, so when we saw the ENT, he he was quite black and white with us. He just said she's textbook cochlear implants essentially. Um, and before we saw him, like she had to have an MRI, she had to have a CAT scan, like um, lots of – appointments with Hearing Australia ensuring that her hearing aids were right and they also it's quite interesting Hearing Australia and um, the Brisbane Children's um, they need to collate lots of information so that when they do meet up and discuss Eden they have everything there to say yay or nay this this will be good for her this is the right option and as I'm saying this she's just woken up and my husband Liam is not back from Bunnings. <laughs> go get her. I'll, I'll go yeah, and get take her. Take your time. That's okay. Where's your smile? There it is. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, she is the cutest. Um, little Eden has woken up from her nap and now is joining us on on the podcast. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, you're smiling. <laughs> she looks like. Yep, she's hit the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Mon, where were we? They have to do a lot of discussing, getting everything organised for you. Yeah, so there was, yeah, that's right. There was many appointments in between seeing the ENT and the paediatrician. We we then decided to enrol with Hear and Say, which is a non, non-for-profit um, spoken and listening language uh, company, I guess, Um well, they wouldn't be a company if they're a non-profit, but or would they? Um, hi, good morning. Um, and so we worked with their audiologist and their speech pathologist. So the reason we started seeing a speech pathologist when Eden was wearing hearing aids was yeah. to help get her into the routine of her those sessions as well as accessing sound. It was really good to... Um, yeah. see her respond to different sounds and enjoy reading books and play with different toys. Oh, um, so beautiful. Yeah, so um, they collated information as well um, and it all went back to the Brisbane Children's Hospital. Um, we were given a r- estimated date of surgery of being May. Uh, we found out in March that it was going to happen in April, which was awesome. We wanted it. The sooner the better. A because she's so little. Um, we were all we were told by everyone that we dealt with that early intervention is best. Yeah. Um, because their their little brains are like sponges for the first three years. Yes. Um, we wanted her to have access to a spoken and listening world, and I think that's it's a difficult thing in a sense because we don't want her. 
we she's she was born deaf. So if she if she decides in five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years that she would prefer to be a part of the deaf community and not wear her her cochlear implants, like we are so okay with that. But we wanted yeah. her to have access to both communities. And you want like you ultimately want the best thing for her. So you're gonna do whatever you can. That's right. Yeah. And give her those opportunities. Right. And she might want both and that's that'd be awesome because we want to give her both um because as soon as the implants or the obviously there's there is implants in and then there's the receiver that sits on the back of her ears um that receive the sound and then transmit it to to her brain so yeah as soon as they come off she is deaf do you want to talk us through you know the day of that surgery and how you felt leading up to that yeah of course so leading up to it we we were really excited we had been told by the ENT that she was textbook cochlear implants um and her audiologist and her speech therapist were really excited for us they um said to us that there was at the moment at that time should I say sorry she had no other warning flags that could would suggest that cochlear implants weren't going to give her the best access to sound um so we were really reassured going into it um and so yeah we were excited nervous about the experience of fasting her going under general anesthetic her having surgery um yeah so little so little on her on her head um she was in for I think five hours maybe six and um when I got called into recovery uh I didn't recognize her Mm. so that brings tears to my eyes I just was so ashamed that I didn't recognize her she had this big helmet of padding on her head and she was so swollen Mm. um and poor little thing had a lot of internal bleeding um so what happens with that kind of surgery the eustachian tubes can bleed and then and there's nowhere for it to go so it goes down the back of her throat um into her stomach and blood in the stomach can be quite upsetting so so the minute every time the doctors or the nurses tried to wake her to ensure she was recovering okay she would vomit and yeah. very upset by that because it obviously didn't feel very nice no yeah and yeah so she, the 24 hours after surgery oh, I was probably sorry the first 12 to 18 hours was quite horrific just with every time her she was awake hard to settle her every time she was awake she would, was vomiting blood um she just didn't feel right yeah um but she did bounce back pretty quickly in the sense of even though she was um, unwell and vomiting the next morning, she wanted to play, which was really cute. Yeah. So they took her um, headband off and – well, not her headband, but her bandage off and her headwear off the next day, um, which was good because I, I thought we were going to be sent home with this huge big helmet um, but – later finding out that that was just pressure to keep everything in place. Yeah. Um, and we were sent home the next day. 
um, and she was put on antibiotics because of the um, excess bleeding and that she was allergic to those antibiotics, which we didn't realise oh. until a few days later. So, yeah, not a fun fun few days for us. I don't think no. I've ever been that sleep deprived or. Um, yeah. Stressed. And you're worried about her. Yeah, that's right. Um, Your little baby's not feeling right and, yeah, normal to feel like that. Yeah. Uh, but. Um, and then, so the cochlear implants settle and then what's the follow-up? Talk us through that appointment where I think they switch them on, don't they? Yeah. So yeah. she had 10 days between surgery and switch on with just nothing so she was a deaf baby um at that time or zero you know zero sound access and so um 10 days later we went down to Brisbane to hear and say who I think I said earlier we're enrolled with um and they did the switch on so it's all done there um and they play they do one ear at a time and they play sounds and they try and get to a comfortable threshold for her so that when we're sent home, it's not all too much. Yeah, because it's new for her hearing all these new sounds and frequencies. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. 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 And it's not what we hear. So it's not, um, it's quite robotic. So it's very, it's very different and it'd be so overstimulating for her as well. Yeah. Um, so the switch on wasn't that Facebook moment like the hearing aid switch on was. Um, she did. She did respond and she looked up and she smiled. Um, but because she, she was so little and they don't want to overdo it, um, when we were sent home, we sort of felt like she wasn't responding to sound. Yeah. Um, like we thought she would. But we've, it's, I think we're now six or seven weeks post switch on. And each week we went, we go for mapping, is what they call it. So each week, she gets her frequencies and her levels tested and her thresholds changed or yeah, changed. And so she's now like babbling and responding and looking when we make noises, when we talk to her, when I sing, like it's 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 incredible. Oh, that I can tell by your face that (laughs) that just brings you so much joy and happiness and oh my goodness, little Eden, she's She's so good, isn't she? She's been through so much so early on and she's just kicking goals. Yeah. Yeah, she really is. She just amazes us every day and just like when the little little things in the day stress you out or I could just look at her and just go, well, what am I worried about? Like she's just yeah, um, very resilient little girl, happy little girl. So we're very lucky. Moving forward, what is the next few months looking like for little Eden and you guys? Uh, lots of speech therapy. And so we, we do that fortnightly. We also do keyword sign fortnightly. Um, so Eden's learning some keyword signs, which is cool. And then we'll kind of later down the track when Eden's a little bit older, we'll focus on Auslan as a family. But um, yeah. sorry, for the near future, yeah, we speech therapy, keyword sign and um, her mapping is quite um, regular at the moment but it will slowly get more more spaced out. So it's fortnightly at the moment and then 
it'll become monthly and then every three months and then every six months. So, yeah. So very busy still with all the appointments and learning, but hopefully everything settles down a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, it will. Well, she's doing so well, Lance, Mm. and you and Liam, I mean, you're blowing me away talking about it. I know you were really worried about not speaking about what's happened, but just nervous about talking in general. And you've done such a incredible job and you really just ultimately want the best for little Eden. And I know we touched on it, you know, hearing that that's, that might, well, knowing that it's possible to have a baby with a disability, but when it happens, it's very different. Mm. If you had a piece of advice to give to anyone that's gone, might have gone through it or, you know, might be going through it now, what would you say to them? Oh. First, I would say, excuse me, my dog is growling at something. <laughs> Brooklyn. Um, uh, it's, I think practice gratitudes. And Liam would definitely say that. Um, yeah. Being grateful for the things that you have and not, not focusing on what you don't have or what's not working. Um, and I think like it's easy to say be kind to yourself but being a parent like a new mum or a new dad is hard I think I spent the first three to six months going this is really hard (laughs) why does everybody want to do this (laughs) (laughs) but we do it it. but it is hard and that's why we want to talk about these things because it's so hard and you know your journey into parenthood has been it has been difficult and it's come with its challenges and you have just kicked those challenges right in the face and tackled them straight on. <laughs> Which we tried to, yeah, we have. We have really tried. Uh, you definitely have. Mm. Um, and how dealing with all of this, I mean, it's a lot to take on in a short period of time. How did it affect your relationship with Lee and what did you guys adapt to? What helped you both get through this? Oh, that's an interesting one because we are, we've been discussing it recently. We were so focused on Eden and what was happening next with her. We, we haven't made time for each other. Um, yeah. So that definitely, and not that it's, it has affected us, but we're aware of it. And we now are putting in the time to do date date nights and um, now that Eden's a little bit older we can put her down to bed and have someone come and you know stay at our place and we can go out for dinner which is just lovely Um, yeah but yeah we aside from the usual parenting things that come up and keep you busy with um, children we had all the appointments and so we would spend you know two days of the week traveling to Brisbane and back and we just didn't make time and no. Liam, him, like, he really appreciates thoughtful things like little gifts or little notes and and I just hadn't done any of that. I was so focused on Eden and me and, like, be, me being okay for Eden, not me being okay for Liam as well, which I, I understand yeah. is, is normal and I'm sure 99% of um, marriages or parents, yeah, parents yeah. go through this. So, um, yeah, I think... It's just that's how it affected us and, and we're okay and we're working through it and we're giving each other more time. and um, Yeah, but you just you just were parents and put your 
daughter first. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Honestly, you're both absolutely incredible. You're an amazing mum. I know you're going to be like, shut up, Mon. <laughs> like, stop telling yeah. me that. But you really, you've just captured all of this so beautifully and so many people listening will be so appreciative of you speaking about this and you know acknowledging that their feelings are all valid if they're going through a similar situation Mm -hmm. and giving them lots of helpful tips because you know not many people deal with what you've gone through so even if you just reach that one person who's going through it you're going to make such a difference in their lifelines Mm. and they're going to be so grateful for you oh that's that's really nice to hear I hope so I just yeah I think we especially with social media we we see the highlight reel and you do you forget that like it's things are hard sometimes and that's okay yeah it is yeah thank you so much for chatting with us today uh, I know I've said it a thousand times but you are incredible you are so inspiring and I I already had such a big appreciation for you and it's just you've exceeded my expectations once again <laughs> in classic Lani style you are incredible and baby Eden is you know she's thriving and she's going to be okay because she has such incredible parents. That's beautiful. Thanks, Mon. I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear for anyone that's just listening. <laughs> My goodness, that's really sweet. Um, but, yeah, thank you. To summarise this episode, sometimes life throws unexpected obstacles at us and during these challenging times, it is important to look after yourself and reach out to friends or family and in Lani and Liam's case, connecting with other families sharing a similar experience. If you are a parent or know someone who may be going through something similar, Lani has shared some useful support groups and resources which will be linked in the show notes below. Thank you for listening to today's episode of MIDI. Your support means the absolute world to me. So if you loved this episode and want to stay up to date with the latest interviews and midwifery education, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For further information about this episode, please check the show notes below. If you wish to share your pregnancy and motherhood experience, you can get in touch with me by emailing hello at themidisociety.com.au and find us on Instagram at at themidisociety or at Monique underscore Maitland. I cannot wait for you to join me next week. I'll be talking all things flap chat. In the meantime, I hope you have an amazing week and remember you're doing the best you can. Love.